Bill, I want you to tell me, how is a book of poetry like O.J. Simpson's testimony? A book of poetry and O.J. Simpson's testimony. If the pages fit, you're going to have a fit. No. If the pages fit, through them you will flit. How about that? Uh, Nobody buys either one of them. Sad but true-ish. Yeah, yeah. You know, some lot, some people bought OJ's. It's like, oh, oh no, yeah. no, no, well, no. The jury did. Right. <laughs> you know, and then that the most important people in the situation. They're probably it. people that don't buy poetry either. No, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. No. I couldn't no. figure out if I wanted to start with that joke or uh, this one. What do you get when you combine Robert Frost and James Bond? Robert Frost and James Bond. You get... Um, Frost, Robert Frost, <laughs> stirred, not shaken. Oh man, you're so close. Oh. Yeah, you get the road not shaken, but oh. stirred. <laughs> you know, I've got to get some partial points here. You know. I know, I know. Those were good on both of those. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hi, guys. Welcome to a Wacky Poem Live. Yeah, here we are, episode one hundred eight. One zero eight. With the truck going by on the road yeah, right outside. Little sound effects. <laughs> Local sound effects. <laughs> We're starting with just general uh, jokes about poetry because we just have a sort of different because, episode today, don't we? Yeah, because we can. And <laughs> I've, uh, I've decided that if this podcast were a dance contest, today's today's podcast is freestyle. This is a freestyle dance. Yeah. You know what we're going to break into. You know, it's going to be something. I need that that boogie sound on my soundboard. You know, remember that one? Yes. Used to, the mm-hmm. funky thing yeah. we used to dance to. Yeah. I could have played that just now. Yeah, the 1970s car chase. <laughs> <laughs> it is freestyle because uh, I suggested the other day. Why don't we just, you know, both decide to talk about something and not tell the other? Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing. You know, I, I never bring up anything that throws you for a curve ever. So I thought, why oh, not do I don't it? Know. No, I do it. All, I do it all the time. <laughs> that's what I'm, you're like, I don't. I'm like, uh, Sean, work with me here. Work with me. You know, because <laughs> you know, how often do you say, okay, well, let's get back to what we're talking about. And then it's like, then it's like me. Oh, okay, squirrel's gone. All right. Yeah, I, I, and I like that. I like you know having just a free form. Of thought. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I actually went to, to some, well, my working title for this episode right now is Potpourri. P-O-E? P-O-U-R-R-I? It's like on the Jeopardy category. Mm. Wasn't that the Jeopardy category? Potpourri? With, as, Ed, P-O-T. Okay. Well, that's how you spell potpourri. But yeah. I thought maybe, I thought if you're going to do it, <laughs> I thought you were going to do a segment on Edgar Allan Poe and all, and all of his different variety of poems. And we're going to call All it his Pori. Pori. I thought that was brilliant. Now I guess I'm the brilliant one. Yeah, you're the brilliant okay. one. Now, I did consult with my lover of the online etymology dictionary about potpourri, though, as soon as I mm. wrote that down what, in, what an in my notes. I'm, I'm anxious to hear this. Well, it's from the Latin, the pori part. Well, pot just means what it sounds like, pot okay. or stew, oh, okay. mix, soup, whatever. Uh, pori comes from the Latin putir, meaning rotten. Oh, or putrid. Interesting. Yeah, so the title of our episode is Putrid Pot. <laughs> What's so funny is when I think of potpourri, I think of 1970s kind of strong cinnamon, a bowl of, of pine cones on the back yeah. of your on, of your toilet. Well, I mean, what are those? Those are like, those are 
kind of rancid. Yeah. They don't smell, they don't <laughs> They're smell putrid, like You're aren't like, they? this doesn't smell like great, you know. <laughs> So welcome, people, okay, yeah. to the putrid pot of poetry that, <laughs> that may become today's putrid episode. Putrid pot of poetry. Hmm. I like that. And, uh, I, you know, you already threw Poe in there. We've thrown Frost in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I said when uh, let's let's do something, let's don't tell each other. I mean, I said it has to have something to do with poetry. <laughs> right. I mean, to, we are a poetry podcast. It needs to have a central, you know, sort of a meandering yeah. thread or... Streamline, but we can just go off whatever because it is. Um, that's what we do here. If you are for some bizarre reason joining us for the first time, <laughs> I'm like shaking my head, like I'm, I'm I'll be in disbelief. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, we are a podcast recorded at the Rural Oklahoma Museum of Poetry, and yeah. we've been going for a couple of years now because we're at episode 108. Uh, weekly putting out something, usually about poems that people have left in the museum, and then sometimes not. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the, joining us. Thank you. I do need to correct you, though. You've often said this is a brick-and-mortar institution. It's a cinder block <laughs> and cinder mortar. Cinder block, yeah. So uh, <laughs> people are looking for bricks. They're going to pass us by. <laughs> yeah, we, the museum is an actual physical place, and it has been for um, 11, 11, almost 12 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I started few, this old place. Had a few place. incarnation changes, mm-hmm. you know, different uh, buildings. And different location changes, but now we're just the corner of Maine and Delaware in Locust Grove, northeastern Oklahoma, green country. Yeah, that sounds like, Come you know, see us. Right. Main, ta- Main Street, small town USA. Yeah. You know, trying to educate the masses. <laughs> yeah. So, how are we going to do this? Do you want to start? you want me to start? Um I don't know what you're going to talk about. I'll, you don't know what I'm going to talk about. Yours is going to be more in-depth than mine because... You think? I, uh, slightly. <laughs> slightly. Just because I have a bunch <clears throat> of pages here doesn't mean I'm actually going to read all this. But <laughs> I, I have threaded uh, some poets. One that I wasn't familiar with, I thought I was not familiar with. Turns out I did know some of his work. Uh-huh. I just didn't know I knew some of his work. Oh, you didn't. You knew the poems, but not the. Well, I knew the person. name. Of, I knew the name of the poem, but I didn't know the author. Did mm-hmm. or didn't it didn't register? Didn't sink in. Yeah. Um, I was watching uh, PBS and the poet A. E. Houseman. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and his his background. Yeah. Uh, I didn't not know any of that, mm-hmm. but he was a very beloved during World War One, especially among. British soldiers. Mm-hmm. They carried often carried a book of his poetry with them, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty amazing yeah. for soldiers to be, you know, harking back to their homeland. Mm-hmm. Um, very beloved. And um, he wrote to an, to an Athlete Dying Young. I guess that maybe that's his most famous work. That's probably the one that's in most of the anthologies yeah. you know, of his that gets anthologized. And I was most. going to ask yeah. you if you had a favorite poem of his. Um. No, there's another one that's about. Oh, I can't think of the name of it right now. Well, I th- there is one that I I don't know whether you probably realize this because it always goes back to my teal, but they're very similar, A. E. Houseman and Teal in the fact that they really loved um, uh, nature and, mm-hmm. and 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 natural things mm-hmm. and his mm-hmm. poem Loveliest of Trees. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, I thought this is so teal esque. <laughs> But I, I thought that I would read that because the sentiment, I, I, you probably know what the sentiment is about. But let me read it for, for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Loveliest of trees. Loveliest of trees, the cherry now is hung with blooms along the bough. 
and stands about the woodland ride, wearing white for Easter tide. Now, of my threescore years and ten, twenty will not come again, and and take from and take from seventy springs a score, it only leaves me fifty more. And I think I might have cut off the, cut off some of that poem, but what this is about <laughs> is about a, a man not becoming aware of his mortality. I yeah, believe. Yeah. You know, and also being aware. You know, I need to look and observe and appreciate what's around me, because mm-hmm. it. What does it cost? Nothing. Yep. You know, nothing at all. But mm-hmm. I thought that is so Edwin Way Teal. Yeah. You know, it's he walked the woods and he uh, scoured, scoured the landscape and wrote wrote down. Mm-hmm. And I, I would like to read one more. I'd like to read today's Edwin Teal's um, entry from I, I Get One a Day, and this was. The closing paragraph. Okay. When, after how many winter winds, how many winter storms, the earliest flocks of returning male red-winged blackbirds fill the treetops along the brook, Nellie and I will stand watching and listening and wondering if they number among them, them, them birds that we have followed across the sky during these November days. Of course, no one can ever say, but their return will represent once more all the unwritten history that migrating birds live in on their immense journeys. Although the birds sing their age-old songs when they return, all the adventures they meet along their migratory way remain unsung. If they could talk, if they could write, and we could understand what sagas those travels would provide. I just thought, I love his perception Mm -hmm. of things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That sounds a lot like the... um a very romantic poem by Percy B. Shelley called uh, To a Skylark. To a Skylark. Yeah. There's a part of it. I can't remember if this is the ending of it, but he says, um, Better than all measures of delightful sound, better than all treasures that in books are, are found. Thy skill to poet were, thou scorner of the ground. Teach me half the gladness that thy brain must know. Such harmonious madness from my lips would flow. The world should listen then as I am listening now. So there's this tradition of looking at a bird and wishing you knew what that bird knew or just could, you know, be in that space somehow because you would be so much wiser. To look down on the earth from from that level. Yeah. So I thought I would add my one little last poem, mine. Okay. Okay. Of course, it's a haiku. (laughs) Slate, blue November, leaves no longer can conceal cerulean sky. Awesome. So I thought, you know, let's continue. Let's continue. So I thought, if I could be among the houseman teals, man, what a what company, you know? So yeah, that that is a great group. So and I I say you're a part of that. Thank you. Thank you. And and do you know how a poet sneezes? Oh, Steve, I can tell this is going to be deep. I mean, haiku. 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 I've been doing a lot of haikuing lately. <laughs> you, oh. write, you write some awesome haikus in our martial arts yeah, I, class. I'm inspired. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Master Paul writes wonderful haikus also. Mm. Well, you know, it wasn't just the romantic poets who were inspired by nature. I think that's been a tradition since the beginning of poetry that we seek some sort of uh, wisdom and uh, awareness 
in in the presence of the natural world, particularly birds. There's a yeah. lot of poems about birds. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. solace of, of nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really comforting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that's great. Mine's kind of different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, <clears throat> that's what, you know, difference. You're going to throw me a curveball, I know. <laughs> So we and we have talked about this somewhat in the in the past, and uh, because we talked about uh, murder and poetry Mm -hmm. and serial killers and Mm -hmm. murder and and, and serial killers who were poets poetry, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes, and and uh, so that's that's kind of what I wanted to to bring into to my section of this today with a particular man though mm-hmm. and um, so who would you say bill is the most notorious serial killer of all time oh my goodness the most notorious the one that evokes the uh most bone bone chilling uh, uh would be um jeffrey dahmer Oh, is the one who yeah. who is the to me personally? I can see he would he uh, would chill my bones. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to write any poetry about him. That's I for think sure. John Wayne Gacy. Is <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. But I also Pretty think the, creepy. the Victorian Ripper. There you go. Uh, is the one that was I'm, you know the way Jack he, the Ripper. Jack the Ripper. The way he preyed upon the vulnerable mm-hmm. um, women who I believe were of of women of the night, perhaps, or yes. the ones that were easily. Yes. Targeted. Well, what they so, call nowadays sex worker. Sex worker. Not, yeah. not using the term prostitute is okay. in the past. Okay. But yeah, uh, so Jack the Ripper is kind of what I want to talk oh, about. Okay. But specifically about one of the men who has been proposed as being Jack the Ripper, Ooh. since we still don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. But he was a poet and uh, a fairly well known poet. His name was Francis Thompson. And he was also a person who was trained in, uh, he had surgical experience and trained in a, in a medical school. But uh, Francis Thompson, he, most poets or people who read poetry at all are familiar with his poem called The Hound of Heaven. That's probably his most famous one. And it's, it's, a, it's a religious poem. He was also strongly Catholic and it was about being chased by um, Jesus, I think, you know, and then doing all this and trying to evade you know, uh, religion and trying to evade a, a Christian life. But the hound of heaven was always on him, you know, getting him to, to try and pay attention. That's that's the one people are probably mo- probably know the most. But he uh, wrote quite a few uh, poems about killing people. Uh, particularly women. Mm-hmm. And, and how long did it take for people to put these puzzle pieces together? Well, I read that the first time that he was brought up as uh, a suspect was in 1988. Yeah. And that was in an article. It was called, Was Francis Thompson Jack the Ripper? And so it has a bunch of information in it, and it that came from a forensic pathologist out of Texas, Dr. Joseph Rupp. He was the one uh, that wrote that. And he talked about him being an ex-medical student, 
Um, this is a quote from that article. His enthusiasms for spending long hours with the scalpel at the college's mortuary led his sister Mary to observe, quote, many a time he asked my father for three pounds or four pounds for dissecting fees, so often that my father remarked, what a number of corpses he was cutting up. Now, explain (laughs) that they measured corpses by pounds. No, pounds, money. Oh, pounds. I thought I'll I'll have a a three pound, a three pound arm. You know, in my mind, I was something out of Frankenstein. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Thompson lived in Spitalfields. Spitalfields. Mm. What a what a British. Right. Name. Yeah. And that's where this is the. Article says where the prostitutes were murdered. And on the ninth, uh, that the fifth victim, Mary Kelly, was killed, he could look from the room, Thompson could look from the room that had his bed to the covered passage that led to the room that had her bed. So, I mean, he was just right there. Mm-hmm. It said that he kept a dissecting knife under his coat, and he was taught a rare surgical procedure that appears to mimic the mutilations found in more than one victim. Mm-hmm. But regardless of The Hound of Heaven, that poem I was talking about, his poems about uh, killing people, not so great. This one is um, from a poem called The Nightmare of the Witch Babies. And uh, it's about the protagonist is a lusty knight. Mm. You know, you got to be careful in those lusty nights. You do have to be careful, right? (laughs) Here's some of it. A lusty knight, ha-ha, on a swart steed, ho-ho, rode upon the land where the silence feels alone. What is it, sees he, ha-ha, there in the frightfulness, ho-ho, there he saw a maiden fairest fair. Sad were her dusk eyes, long was her hair, sad were her dreaming eyes, misty her hair, and strange was her garment's flow. Mm. It's not very good, is it? Well, and lusty night could mean night or night. You know, either, but um, it's not good either way. But he starts to stalk her, and then here it continues. Swiftly he followed her, ha ha. Eagerly he followed her, ho ho. But then she discover he discovers she is unclean. Lo, she corrupted, ho ho. And how did he determine she was unclean? I guess he figured out she was a a, a prostitute. But uh, you know, again, did he? Sur- how did he surmise this? I mean, you know, in in, in his mind, he might have said, "Oh, I'm going to deem you unclean, therefore I can justify what I'm about to do." I don't you know. know. In this poem, he decides to kill her, so he's going to slice her stomach open, and um, it ends with this. He's going to slice her stomach open to see if there's a fetus inside. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> Is this poem too gory for no, no, show? No, no, no. No, I mean, you know, it's, it'd make a wonderful Tales from the Crypt or something. Okay, so here's the ending of the poem. And its paunch was rent like a braston drum, and the blubbered fat from its belly doth come. It was a stream red and bloodily under the wall. O stream, you cannot run too red under the wall. With a sickening ooze, hell made it so. Two witch babies, ho, ho, ho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> yeah, this guy's disturbed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. just from that poem, and the fact that he lived uh, by one of the victims and lived in the whole area mm-hmm. where it all took place, I'm like, yeah, man, that's a good suspect. Well, were the were Ripper's victims 
Was it determined they were killed with a scalpel or a surgical instrument? Uh, was that ever determined? So. I think so. So, you know, there are a lot of forensic um, components that can be put to use by today's standards. Yeah. Um, so he does fit the profile, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. The poem, it has phrases like bloody, rusted stone, and there's just one line. It just says, blood, blood, blood. No life here. Ha ha. I don't understand all the ha ha's and the ho ho's. Is that supposed to be showing he's like crazy? Well, I think that it shows that he's getting some some sort of perverted sick pleasure out of the chase and knowing he's going to kill someone. And, and it's a bloodlust. Yeah. Uh, which is terrifying. Hmm. Uh, yes. Well, that poem wasn't published during his life. He did write an essay, though, and it was uh, published. Um, right around the time of that last murder. And he compared a good writer to someone skilled in the use of a knife on a corpse. Mm -hmm. So he saw himself as a writer and obviously as someone who could use a knife well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I can see a little bit of that, of that connection, but it's uh, in, a, in, a, in a little bit lighter tone than what he probably yeah. saw it. Yeah, yes. Well, that was 1988, whenever that, uh, that doctor from uh, Texas, the forensic psychologist, he wrote about um, this connection. And then I also found an article in, in the New York Daily News from 2018. It's by Melissa Chan, and she is talking about a book that came out from an Australian teacher named Richard Patterson, and his whole book is about the same thing. That Thompson penned poetry by day and butchered prostitutes by night under the guise of legendary murderer Jack the Ripper. That's the uh, thesis mm -hmm. of his okay. book. Mm -hmm. And um, he says in the book that Thompson kept a dissecting knife under his coat. Oh, I already said that part. Um, and that he was taught rare surgical procedures, and those were found in the mutilations of more than one of the Ripper victims. Now, how many victims were there? Do we five. know? There are five. Mm -hmm. Okay. I also said in his book that Thompson was addicted to opium, and uh, he had close links to at least one of the the prostitutes. I guess that last one, Mary Mary Kelly. Hmm. Mm -hmm. What was the movie that was the latest film about Jack the Ripper? There was a movie that it was. I wonder if any any have been uh, done, have done him justice or. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I can't name any of them right now. I, they're, they're on the top of my head, also. <laughs> you know, I haven't done much research at all on this. I just found this because I thought, okay, well, here is a poet who is considered, you know, one of the well, and, most notorious murderers of all time. And and with the with the name Ripper, you know there was a lot of blood and, oh, yeah. and, and, and gashing and yeah. slicing. Well, they have photographs you know. of some of those. Mm -hmm. You remember seeing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. He had, a, he detailed in a short story he wrote called Finis Coronat Opus. Uh, he had this little passage in it, Thompson did. I swear I struck not the first blow. Some violence seized my hand and drove the poniard down. Whereat she cried, and I, frenzied, dreading detection, dreading above all her wakening, I struck again, and again she cried, and yet again, and yet again she cried. Brutal, yeah. you know. He seemed to write uh, um, numerous types of things, not just poems that were about stabbing women to death. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, he would fit a certain sociological psychopathic profile, mm -hmm. you know, 
99.2% of those are going to be men, I would think. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just I just do, you know. Um, so, I, and I also was, was looking around, I found this article, how dark parallels, how murder and poetry are alike. Hmm. What do you think, Bill? How, how murder, murder and poetry are alike. Uh, this is by Macy Malone. Yeah, I'm going to have to say, I, I'm gonna, you're going to have to prove it to me. I, I, I don't see it. I really don't, you know. You know, yeah. in this essay that, that you know, you know, sorry, Macy Malone, but it reads like a five-paragraph college essay that you'd write in freshman college. Oh, okay. Because, <laughs> okay. you know, I thought I'd find some elucidation, too, but it's stuff like, like poetry, murder often emerges from the depths of the human soul. That's a pretty bad comparison, isn't it? Well, and it, yeah, right. No, again, that proves nothing. No. <laughs> yeah. This is not poetry court. This is like essay court here. Yeah. Let's dissect this mm, essay. Okay. Okay. So, and then another point is poetry invites the reader into a world of heightened emotions and vivid imagery. Murder has a way of captivating the collective imagination. It's it's subjective, you know, not not for everyone. I don't even really see what the comparison is there Mm -hmm. other than she's saying imagery and imagination. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of things that pique your imagination, aren't there? Yeah. Yes. And poetry is very enigmatic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's either you get it or you need to or or you need to learn about it if you don't <laughs> here's yeah. another one of the profound comparisons actually this reads like when i was teaching freshman comp some of the the poor students trying to do a comparison essay and, and comparing their comparisons were horrible both murder and poetry are avenues for the exploration of profound human experiences and the search for meaning no <laughs> too too broad <clears throat> too broad too too general and you know too too simplistic for for either one yeah she says poets delve into the depths of existence no no <laughs> i mean you know thank you but often not you know yeah i don't ever think that i'm delving into the depths of existence when i'm writing a poem you know and maybe i am but i certainly don't think about it that way Lastly, both murder and poetry offer a cathartic release through vastly different means. This one I almost buy, you know, because that's one of uh, Aristotle's examples of, of what uh, drama, which he also called poetry, mm-hmm. is about, that it has a cathartic effect on the audience. That might be the most true statement because yeah. if you have an idea in your head and you, you want, you, you've been moved and you want to get it on paper... Once it's completed, you're almost like, okay, I've mm-hmm. captured it. Mm-hmm. I want to share it. Yeah. And then and I also want to know what people think about it. Yeah, especially. Mm-hmm. And if you're writing about something like so gruesome as murder, and so that's what I was saying about Aristotle, then he thought that that would have a cathartic effect on the audience that would keep you from, you know, going out and committing the murder yourself. Because you had a a literary and an imaginative, a dramatic experience of it, so that was the catharsis. Well, I can kind of see some of that. Yeah. Just uh, yes. But at the same time, then why would a poet writing about that also then have to go out and do it? Right. So is Francis Thompson the Ripper or not? The world may <laughs> never know. You know, like the owl said. To the little kid. Yeah. Well, you know, he's a he's a good looking guy. He was. Um, well, so was the 
Right. Yeah. So he obviously he may have had you know experiences with women. He may have been of the persuasion to not find women attractive. There's so many different. I know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, um, possibilities. Yeah. I mean, he had he had some issues with the with the drugs and the, the uh, I don't think he ever finished medical school. Things I read said he just kept dropping out. Um, he he enjoyed what he learned there, but he didn't actually complete the the education. Mm -hmm. yeah. There is something about unsolved massacres that fascinates no. people. This town has one. Yes. You just talked about, I mean, our, our hometown has one. You just talked about London, where Ripper yes. lived, I believe that was London. Yep. There is a fascination in the unresolved. Yes. Um, well, and it's why people read mysteries, I think, in the first place, is because it's a puzzle. Mm -hmm. And you would like the pieces to be put together, and you'd have a complete picture. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's just human nature. Yes, we want everything nice and tidy and tied up and packaged. Yeah. At the same time, we still want mystery. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think That's why we love horror movies. That's why well, we love, yeah. you know, what's behind the trees. Mm -hmm. What's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's intriguing. We still don't know who he is and probably will never know for sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. One of the great unresolved mm -hmm. mysteries. And all the women, all the victims were women. I'm, I'm, I'm presuming. Yes. Okay. Yes. It just again, you know, there's a profile here to mm -hmm. be built. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They You're were right. all, they were all put part of the putrid pot. I see putrid pot. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Bill, do you know how poets say hello? How do they? Um, let me. How do I say hello? Let me count the ways. Adieu. <laughs> Arrivederci. Avida Zane. Adios. A multilingual poet, huh? Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, I digress. No. Hey, haven't we metaphor? <laughs> Why, I'm Bill. We have metaphor. I'm the master. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, what is a simile? Um, is this a question? Uh-huh. A simile is something I'm Similar with, it's like a metaphor. It's like a, it's like a metaphor, <laughs> simile, simile to a metaphor. Like, <laughs> oh my, it's too early for this. Yeah, jokes over rhetorical devices. <laughs> sometimes they fly, sometimes they don't. You know what I find interesting is, you know, I, I started my, you know, with with my nature poets and cerulean skies, and, and you went into blood and potpourri and guts and this, you know. And I'm wondering if Keytrid I should. Pots. I'm wondering if I should leave. What if I should, you know, get my keys and you know, check check. You probably have my keys and you're probably. Maybe we should have reversed it. Maybe I should have started with no, the, I, you know, the bloody entrails and it ended with. <laughs> no, we want to get we want to get the, you know, the the blue sky and flowers and trees out of the way first, so we can delve into the. Human nature, okay. you know. Well, thank you all for joining us on this potpourri of free-for-all of, you know, and whatever I it was. I, want, I <laughs> wanted to bring something up because I like this I like this uh, format. Okay. When we do it in the future, and I know we have tens and tens of listeners, <laughs> I would like our, our long-term listeners, maybe new listeners, if they have any questions for us, send them to us and let's compile – some questions and, ha and, and have a... Bill, um, you can't compile one, one message. 
This is every time we ask for somebody to we get one message. Comment, we get one message if we get. We're going to stretch out that message. We're going to dissect every word. You know. Come on, but it's folks. a good thought. It's a good thought. I'm going to put it out there. Yeah, yeah. I'll send it out there. Yeah. If you got any questions, you got anything you want us to talk about, we're we're just pretty open. Mm-hmm. We're going to you know potpourri. Mm-hmm. That's right. A mixture of everything. <laughs> That's right. We'll do it. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to continue to talk about poems. We have some more that people have left in the museum recently with our new exhibit. There was so. a Randy one left on on the uh, on the on my on my Barbie Ken or Joe Witch Wall. There so. is there is a Randy, and we're not talk, we're not talking Randy Travis either. No, we're there's not. A, mm-hmm. There's a Randy, Randy poem. Different the different Randy. Yeah, about mm-hmm. your merman. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. Uh, what's the word? I just lost the word. He inspired uh, uh, Randy Merman. He inspired. Uh, um, what's that thing called? A shadow box. Shadow box. Okay. <laughs> you know, password. Password here. Uh, box. Um, it, things put in it. Okay. Hey. All of a sudden, I got Dick Clark. He's behind me. <laughs> Potpourri was always a great uh, uh, category on Jeopardy. <laughs> Potpourri. It could, you know, it yeah. could have a question about uh, nature, poetry, and Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. Both of those could be under potpourri. Yeah, I didn't know that was actually a Jeopardy category. Potpourri. Isn't it? Uh, probably so. Yeah, I'm going to defer to you because I'm misremembering. Not... I haven't watched that show in ages. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm... All right. Well, I think we're done. Hey, there we go. <laughs> I'm going down a rabbit hole. Re- redirect me. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. As always, spread yeah. the word. If you happen to be over on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. Yeah. They say it, that really helps move your podcast up, and we could use some movement. We can use some boosting. <laughs> Boost us. Yeah. Boost us, please. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks. Bye, guys. Don't a doggie. <laughs>